Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. So today we're talking about wisdom for teenagers and young adults. We're in a parental guidance series and we we rarely talk about anybody beyond like middle schoolers. And so today we're going to talk about it. When I was, you know, mid-teens heading on into my late teens and 20s, I wasn't really thinking much big picture. Like most teens, I was thinking about kind of the next thing. Like what are the next two or three things? What am I doing next? I didn't really have a grid for how to do a wise life. I didn't have a grid. I wasn't thinking about how do I invest right now in the, you know, in the long term so that when I get to certain decades of my life, there's a dramatic payoff. I wasn't thinking like that. Probably most of you weren't thinking like that. And here's what we got to know. One of the reasons why is because no one is born wise. We have to look for wisdom. No one is born wise, so we need to look for wisdom. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking in the, in the movie Forrest Gump. Lieutenant Dan says to Forrest, and he's kind of like bitter about it. He's like, have you found Jesus, Forrest? And Forrest says, I don't know. I was supposed to be looking for him. And for many of us, that's what it's like with wisdom. We didn't know we were supposed to be looking for wisdom. We thought maybe I'm supposed to grow in knowledge. Maybe I'm supposed to get good at something. But I didn't know I was supposed to be on a quest for wisdom. Now, what complicates it further is that there's something inside of us all that resists wisdom. There's something because of our sinful nature. People can tell you very wise things to do, but because you had a different plan, you're like, ah, I don't want to hear it. And so we don't always recognize wisdom. And even sometimes when we do, we still don't want to do wisdom. So we have that going against us. That is why since we're born not necessarily wise and we resist wisdom, one of the most important things for parents to do is to train their kids to value and love Wisdom, And to pick a certain set of ideas, certain set of principles, that by the time they leave the house, I want these kids to understand X, Y, and Z that is wise so it can guide their life. One of the best things parents can do is invest in their kids learning how to invest in wisdom. So we're going to do two things today. Okay, we're going to look at this this writer of Proverbs, Solomon was the one who wrote most of the Proverbs, and then someone else assembled them. And, and Proverbs comes to us as kind of a fatherly figure talking to his spiritual sons and daughters. So we could picture it as Solomon. We could just picture it as a fatherly figure. We could also picture it, because it's true, as God, our Heavenly Father, giving us principles of wisdom. We're going to look at some of the principles that that father figure is trying to impart to us, and then we're going to take that model and say, how would we apply that to our own kids or grandkids? And I got to tell you, this isn't just for people with teenagers right now. You might have teenagers that are in their 40s or 50s, but there's still stuff that you want to impart and share. There's still stuff in your grandkids that you want to impart and share. So we're going to take a look at that. What what we've got to understand about this this, this book of Proverbs, we're going to start in chapter one, and that's probably where we're going to hang out for the most of the day. But Proverbs comes to us because we need wisdom. Okay, let's, it's always important to me that we understand the greater story. What is the story we're in? Until we contextualize ourselves within God's story, things aren't just as meaningful as they could be. So remember, what's really going on here is as much as you are loved and gifted, and you certainly are, we're also part of the community of humans that is in exile. Because we decided at the very beginning of humankind, we said, 
we can be better kings and better rulers of ourselves than God can. And that got us ejected and exiled from a perfect paradise. And God said, that's not going to go well, but I really need you to get this lesson. So I'm going to let you experience the consequences of your not wisdom. And that's why, sure, we humans, we can get a lot right, but then we can also, it doesn't matter how advanced we get, we can do ridiculously whack job stuff like start wars. Because there's something wrong with us. We don't rule ourselves particularly well. But there's an ending coming. See, Jesus Christ comes and he rescues us from that, pays the penalty, and he invites us into the perfect kingdom in heaven. But while we're here, God says, you're in more pain than I would want. So even though your fall from grace has hardened you and kind of dumbed you to wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom. Because I want you to have some advantages. I want this to go a little better than it is going for you. So I want to give this to you. So let's start in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to be jumping all around here, so just try to keep up with me. A wise person will hear and increase in learning, and a person of understanding will acquire wise counsel. They'll acquire it. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not ignore your mother's teaching. So here's this father figure, and he's modeling for us. He's not only going to teach us wisdom, he's saying, also do this with your kids. Also do this with your teenagers and young adults. And he's trying to get across to us, pursuing wisdom is this lifelong quest that compounds your advantages and minimizes your pain. And it's a lifelong thing. You're never going to be done. You want to keep on pursuing and keep on pursuing. What is wisdom? How can we define it? Well, it's not just like having an encyclopedic knowledge of everything. It isn't like your mind becomes Google. It's not even that you know everything that could be known about God. One way to talk about it is to say, it's doing right now what God knows we'll appreciate later. It's doing right now what God knows we'll appreciate down the line that we can't even necessarily see down all that way. It's doing the right thing with the right people, with the right stuff in the right circumstances. That's what wisdom would be. J.I. Packer, he described wisdom as a great subway map. So imagine you're at the control board of the subway and you can see the entire map. If we have that image, let's throw that up. You can see everywhere the trains could go. You see all the switches. You see every place things could get. And so you you can identify, okay, this has got to go here and this has got to go here. You see the whole big picture. That's wisdom. That's being able to see it. Now, I want to put an asterisk by J.I. Packer's uh, illustration because it's not just that you see that. Yes, wisdom allows you to see the big picture, but the problem is it's not like we have photographic memories and it's not like we always see it. See, you can be wise in one season and then be less wise in the next season because you forgot to keep seeking wisdom. And not only do we, we're not just at the control panel, are we? We're driving the train, right? We're in there. I don't think there's a wheel in the subway, but you're driving, whatever they do, you're driving the train, all right? And you've got to like maneuver, because the switch is coming up and you got to get on the right track. And so it's more like there's flashes of the whole map coming into your mind as you remember to search for and operate and pray for wisdom. You're saying, oh, I got to do this. But it doesn't stay with us, so we have to continually seek it through the big picture. Let me give you some advantages. Just in the first two chapters that Proverbs tells us wisdom will bring us, it'll keep the favor of God near you. It'll protect you. It'll give great understanding to your heart. To your heart, Proverbs says it'll make you wiser than your teachers. I used to get really get a kick out of that. I'm like, man, I want to be wiser than my teachers. That sounds fun. It'll watch over your way. It'll help you discern every good path. It'll rescue you from the way of evil. 
In his great love, God gives us wisdom. He wants to reveal to his creatures the advantages that they can have if they'll seek it. So the lessons that this fatherly figure, God, the author, all of them want us to have is, number one, we want to teach our teens and young adults and us value value wisdom enough to avoid foolish influences. This is one of the topics that is throughout the book of Proverbs. It's definitely in the first chapter. Value wisdom enough that you're willing to avoid or lose some foolish influences. Proverbs 1.10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If sinners entice you, do not consent. There's a lure that some Foolish influences are going to have to get you away from wisdom. So let's imagine it this way. Okay, wisdom is over here. It's lady wisdom. Okay, she shaved her head for the day. She's, she's waving everybody. She's like, come here. I've got great things to tell you. I've got wise things that are going to help you out. And you're over here. Okay, you're like, mm-hmm. like, you're just doing life. Here you are. Okay, you're not necessarily operating in wisdom, but you're not operating in anti-wisdom necessarily. You're just not going to pursue wisdom. The problem is there's a third person on the stage. There's somebody else. It's not just you and wisdom. There's other people that are trying to drag and say, hey, come on over here with me. Come on, come on. We've got some, it's, a, it's an easier way. It's a shortcut way. There's things that we can do. You don't need to listen to her. Hey, why don't you throw in with us? I've got some lures that could bait you into doing what I want. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let's lie and wait for blood. Let's ambush The innocent without cause. We'll find all kinds of precious wealth. We'll fill our houses with plunder. And this this influencer, they're trying to make promises just like wisdom does. They're promising fellowship. They're promising, hey, we'll all be together. We'll throw in together. And you'll be able to advance more quickly because you've got the money. Sure, there's, you know, maybe a little bit of moral compromise, but you'll get where you really want to go. Verse 14, throw in your lot with us and we'll all have one money bag. But see, the deal is, compromise with evil at first is going to look like a shortcut, but it's really self-ambush. My son, do not walk on the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil and they are quick to shed blood, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. There's influences that you've had Maybe if you're a little older now, you had some that are younger, and you, you can recognize now, hey, there's some people that tried to talk me into stuff that, gosh, what would it have been like if I would never have met them? What might I have been saved from if they didn't talk me into a certain few things? I know that I can remember them. And God says, you need to, parents, you need to help your kids not get roped into all that. Now, we know you can't control your kids, especially by the time they're teenagers, and everybody's got self-will, and they can try to trick you or do stuff behind your back. But as far as it depends on you, you can't just, like, check out. You can't let yourself off the hook with this one. There's going to be influences that you're like, I know this person is dragging the heart of my child, or this thing, or this piece of tech, is dragging, dragging the heart of my child away from what would be wisdom. And they've got to have the wisdom to know that's going to happen. There's going to be thieves. They're going to try to get them away. So, for preteens, let's, let's start a little younger. Here's just some things that my wife and I, I'm just trying to give you some examples, some suggestions, okay? This isn't God's law that you have to do this, but I'll give you some, some ways that we try to obey this or, or operate by this. Um, so parents, let me just give you permission, okay? Sometimes parents just need permission. You can just say, yeah, you don't get to play with that kid. 
And, and it might, like, we've had to do that. Like, yep, they're not playing together. I'm sure mom probably got offended. But I don't care because mom's already a grown-up, okay? And my kid isn't. And they need to be protected from certain, you know, and, and it's, it's stuff that would, you know, it's not just kid, all, all kids misbehave a little bit, but, but stuff that's a little bit worse, yeah, we can't do that. Or other, in other cases, there's just debrief time after that child played with our kids. Hey, let's talk about that. Is that, you know, you're not going to see them every day, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, every few weeks. Let's just talk about that. Let's debrief. What do you think about that? What do you think about the way he talked to his mom? What do you think, what do you think the Holy Spirit of Jesus thinks about that? Do you think that will be long-term blessing in the land? Is that, what do you think about that? And, and, you know, we're just helping them think through theologically what is going on in the relationships around me. Here's another one. If it gets really bad, now, <clears throat> I'm going to step on some toes. I'm not trying to, but I'm trying to give everybody permission. There comes a point, and I don't know what point it is, but I think every parent should think this through. There's a point where you switch schools. There's a point where you switch schools because what is there is so detrimental to the soul of your kid, they're going to be a different person by the time they're 20 than if you would just switch schools. Parents, we've got to make some decisions. We've got to have some hard talks and decisions, especially now because of the things that our kids could be exposed to at school, the, the types of interactions, the types of things that teachers will say, okay, it's okay to do this. Parents, now is the time to just decide ahead of time, okay, maybe I'm not going to pull them out now, but what would it take? Where would it go? Because it keeps going places every year. It's like it goes further. So what would it take? What would my kid have to be around? What would cause me to say, yeah, okay, that's it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be inconvenient, but we're going to switch the entire way we're doing this because the soul of my kid is too important. What about teenagers? Here we go. Here we go, teens. Sorry, you're not going to like this, but, but here we go. Um, <clears throat> parents, with your teenagers, okay, can I just remind you, and you know this, your job is not to be liked and it is not to be cool. That is not your job. You can be liked and cool later. Be liked and cool when they're out of the house. When they're in the house, be the parent. Be the person that's asking questions that you, would, you didn't want to hear when you were a teenager, but you still need to ask them about who they're going with and where they're going. You should get the Life360 app or some similar app on your phone so you can GPS where is your kid at all times. Yes, you should. Yes, you can. That is not too much. That is not you invading their privacy. That is you being a mom or a dad. That's what that is. And I know some, you know, some, some they'll give you a hard time at first, but you get to ask questions, parents. You, you get to, this is, parents, you just have permission to do this. <clears throat> you can have phone audits. That means, you, hey, let me see your phone. Give me your phone for an hour. All right, we're, we're going through the thing. And it's not because you don't trust them. It's not because you're, you're trying to be snoopy, okay? It's because you're trying to protect them. So every year, the fire department comes through this building. Did you know that? And we know they're going to look at stuff, and they're going to fill out a clipboard, and they're going to say, well, you need to fix this, and you need to do this, and you need to buy this. And they do it every year. They're not snooping. They're looking for things that could hurt us here at the church. And so they make us make sure that everything is safe. When you're, you know, it's not, it's not a daily thing, but it's just from time to time, I need to know what's going on in my kid's life as far as I can. I need to pray the Holy Spirit will show me what's going on in my kid's life. If you suspected that there were a little nest of black widow spiders in your son's top dresser drawer, okay, you wouldn't be like, well, it's none of my business. No, because it doesn't matter if they think it's your business or you think it's your business, it's dangerous. Things can go wrong here. 
And so as a good parent, dude, you wouldn't care what they said. We're getting these spiders out of here. You wouldn't care if it was embarrassing. You just wouldn't care. You'd go do it. So with our teenagers and with our preteens, folks, we've got to reinforce, hey, my friend, I know you like them. I know you, want, you think that's cool. But we've got to say, hey, there comes a moment where you got to get away from that kind of an influence because it's going to hurt you and drag you down. And of course, people have to be around people. And, and there's, a, there's a gospel other side to this, okay? Kids need to be around other kids because how else are they going to, you know, talk about Jesus or, and be light and salt to the Lord? Of course that has to happen. We're not saying take them off the planet or just isolate them in a closet. But parents, there's just, there's just a sticky feeling that will stick with you. So, uh, I'm getting a buzz about this thing. This isn't what should happen. Trust that. So, Value wisdom enough to avoid certain people. Number two, value the corrections of wisdom. Correction is all over the book of Proverbs. See, wisdom can increase, but it can also be ignored. Listen to this, verse 25. You neglected all my advice and did not want my rebuke. Now listen, what, this is what wisdom is talking here. You did not want my rebuke. I will also laugh at your disaster and I will mock when your dread comes. Importantly, that's not what God will do. That's not how God feels about it. We're talking about wisdom kind of, you know, as a fictitious person. Wisdom is not a real girl. But what she's saying is, um, when you choose to go against wisdom, wisdom isn't going to feel sorry for you. That's what she's saying. When, when, when wisdom tried to correct you, it's not like you're going to be like, well, my heart was right, and wisdom will be like, okay, you can have a bye. No, life will just, it'll just hit you. Like, it doesn't care. When your dread comes like a storm, and your disaster comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then you will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. What is he saying? He's saying there comes a point in the game, dude, where you can't win this game. Now, you can learn from it. You can learn the lessons from it, and you can win the next game. But there comes a point where you, you didn't practice hard enough. You didn't do whatever you didn't do. You didn't do it. And now wisdom says, yeah, that your opportunity is now gone, and you got to move on. Wisdom is indifferent to our pain when we ignore wisdom. It just don't care. So sometimes I've gotten you know, pulled over by a police officer, and here's what I know about when, when, when he gives me a ticket, the ticket isn't mad at me, and the ticket isn't disappointed in me. The ticket is just telling me what is true. Here's what happened, and now you have to pay money. Like, and you have to go have a court date that you totally didn't want to go have. Wisdom is just the testimony. It's just the record. Wisdom, when we do wrong, wisdom says you shouldn't have done that. It's, it's just saying, yeah, I'm a witness. You shouldn't have done that because it leads to pain. Just like the ticket isn't mad at us, wisdom is not mad at us, but we can grow in wisdom when we did help our kids understand you can learn to see correction as wisdom. See, if, if we're always stubborn and we're always prideful and we're always like, ah, I can't hear nothing. My friends, for some of us, it's not just our kids, it's us. We're very hard to correct. And we need to help our kids understand, hey man, people are going to come along. It's going to be teachers, it's going to be coaches, it's going to be bosses, it's going to be all kinds of people. And it's really God trying to correct you. And you have to be open to that idea. And they may not always be exactly right, but they're close enough and God is saying, oh, please, 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 let me impart some wisdom to you because there's blessing in it. When we go to get tetanus shots, now you could say, like, ah, that shot hurts, right? And you could say a rebuke hurts, but the shot is only hurting to heal you, to get the medicine in you. We need to help our kids see every 
rebuke, every correction as God is trying to help you. God is trying to righten certain things so the pathway to blessing is super easy, barely an inconvenience. How many think this is good already? Yeah, you can just say amen whenever you're ready. I know it's, it's a harder word, so it's, it's, it's a little chewier. So preteens, how do we instill this value of desiring connection? Well, first, dude, I think we should be praying when they're in the womb, before like we ever get to preteen. God, I'm praying over this baby. I've got prayer cards of when my kids were still in mama's belly, and we're praying, oh God, you know, give them a heart and a hunger for the ways of God. So we pray, 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 pray. That's how we start it. We also... We lead them to God's word. This isn't really a Bible, but the Bible's in here. So we lead them to God's word because this thing will correct us. Let me tell you something, man. The best place, the absolute best place to get corrected is God's word. See, when it's in God's word, it's, it's super friendly and it doesn't really hurt that much. It might hurt your, it might convict you. But when we, when we, when we tell our kids, hey, go into the Bible and ask, pray before you do it. God, would you correct me through your word? Because here's what's happening. If, if we're a son or daughter of God, God has promised he's going to discipline us and he wants to start, let's just see if I can just get them to turn around on their own. I'll just tell them through God's word. But if we ignore that, if we ignore that, just like they ignored the rebuke of wisdom, God will have to send friends. He'll send leaders. He'll send people like, no, 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 for real. Don't do that. If we keep going, he'll send enemies just like he sent David's enemies against them eventually. God will, and I don't mean real enemies, but I mean, you know, people you don't like will end up being the ones correcting you because God is determined. So the Bible is just the absolute easier way, easiest way. And we can teach them, hey man, receive it now, reflect later. That's hard to do. When you're being corrected, just receive it. Just receive it at first. Just receive it. Don't, don't go off your own wisdom. You know, that's part of the problem. That's why you're being corrected. Wait. Go back into prayer. Ask some other wise counselors. What what do you think is legit about this correction? Because it will open up doors for us. What about teens? Okay, teens are a little bit more. Parents, you know this. Teens will see right through you. Teens have a nose for hypocrisy. Teens have watched you. They know what you do. So we've got to make sure that we're demonstrating I am a correctable human. I can be corrected by my kid. I can be corrected by my boss. I can just, like, I'll correct myself. Can you, can you ask forgiveness of your teenagers? Can you just demonstrate? Now, correction is definitely the wise way. That's, that's the legacy. And we're not always going to do it right, but we want to try to build that legacy. We want to give our kids a grid for failure because they're going to fail. They're going to get something wrong. And we don't want to be that stupid parent that's just like, told you. no. We want to go to them, and, and different kids are different, so you got to, you know, interact with them in different ways. Some, you can, you know, I've, I've got kids, I can just sit there, and, and we'll just talk about it. And others, you know, you want to go in their room, and you got to, like, rub their back, you know. And, and you got to, whatever the kid needs in their personality, but we start to ask questions. Hey, I know that was really hard. I know you didn't want that to go that way. It's really not the end of the world. You bring perspective as a parent. But what do you think, if, if the Holy Spirit were trying to teach you some things, what do you think they would be? And you don't want to already have the agenda because then you'll miss the wisdom that's actually coming through them because they'll have a lot of good ideas. And then you bring a little bit of wisdom to bear. It's okay to fail. Let's take the lessons. Let's take the rebuke of wisdom because the truth is you're still very young and there's a lot of time here. And you can make up for this and be way more blessed than you would have been if you just keep going. So one more way that we can do it is we can use examples. 
This might sound a little weird for a minute. You're going to see on TV and in real life, you've got people, you're going to see wisdom just not happen. Friends of the family, things that you see in a show, and you're, you're going to be able to say to your kid, wow, what do you think went wrong there? Where, where, did, where did somebody leave the trail of wisdom? And you're not trying to judge people. Let me give you an example so you know this is scriptural and you're not just slandering people. <clears throat> Proverbs 24, 30, this is exactly what happens. I passed by the field of a lazy one and the vineyard of a person lacking sense. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will come on you like a drifter and your need like an armed man. And, and the lesson, of course, is I got a whole sermon just by looking at this dude's field. I got a whole sermon just by understanding, yeah, man, if you're lazy, they're going to turn the water off and your rafters are going to sag and you're going to have weeds all over your front lawn. And that's the sermon. That's the message. And so we can just ask we, with our kids, we could be a group learning experience. Hey, what do you think? What's, what, what could we take away? I feel bad for, that that happened over there. But what, if God were trying to correct us ahead of time, what would be some wise lessons that we could take away from that? So we value wisdom enough to avoid foolish influences. We value the corrections of wisdom. And here's the final one for today. We value wisdom enough to look for it. We value it enough to look for it. Sometimes we think that wisdom is just going to land on us like we're flypaper. We're just kind of like there. You know, we just collect wisdom as we go and there's three or four flies that hit us. And maybe that's how you've been thinking, hey, if I just get old enough, I'll just keep gaining wisdom. That's a way to do it. It's probably the most painful way to do it. The better way is to just go looking. I'm going to go find wisdom. I'm going to be on the lookout, and I'm going to try to help my kids understand, don't wait, go find. Go find wisdom on your own. <clears throat> Why? Because what are the first thing we said? A wise person will hear an increase in their learning. They'll acquire wise counsel. Listen, Proverbs 19.8, one who gets wisdom loves his own soul. One who keeps understanding will find good. Isn't that cool? I love that verse. He loves his own soul. Many of us probably would say, man, I don't treat myself well enough already. I don't have enough self-care. And so you'll have a muffin, be like, self-care. I have a little more for me, a little personal TLC. I have another slice of pizza because self-care. And I'm not, I'm not dissing that, but wouldn't it be great? If self-care, we also thought, you know, it'd be good for my soul. According to Proverbs, I would be loving my own soul if I went and looked for wisdom. He who keeps understanding will find good. It doesn't mean you keep it in a closet. It means there's a progress. I'm looking. I'm going to keep on learning. I'm going to keep on understanding. I'm going to keep trying to find out. So I'm walking in wisdom. What, what do we do? We, we help our kids understand. Look at your life. Look at wisdom. Try to push them closer together. Look at your life. Look at wisdom. Try to push them closer together. That's how we go about it. That's how we get it. Where do we find it? First and foremost, we find it in God's word. That's where God has promised as the spirit of wisdom to speak. Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, if you'll make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. So we teach them, hey, you start by going to the Bible. That's where you get God's wisdom. And then he goes on. If you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, that means if you pray for it, if you ask God for it, I mean, ask God. He'll give you some wisdom. And then you go to look. You start to ask experts. You start to read. You start to study. You start to get counsel. If you will do that, God promises, I'll give you wisdom. I thought, so, so when I first started, you know, 
really, wisdom became like a theme in my life for, for several years in my early 20s because I'd done a lot of not wisdom. I was like, I got oh, to increase his value. And I was fasting. Like I was, I'm just going to fast for wisdom. You ever done that? You're just like, I'm just going to pray for it. And just, bloop, it's just going to download to me. I'm going to know what to do. And I'm fasting for wisdom. And I pick up this book on fasting. It says, if you're fasting for wisdom, go study. Don't just sit there. Don't just wait. Go find all the things you could possibly know about that thing. And you will gain wisdom. And it'll be anointed wisdom because you were fasting while you were doing it. We got to help people understand, hey, why don't you go find teenager, preteen, Let's, let's brainstorm together. What's the most we could learn about this? What else could we know about this? Who could we talk to? Who are some friends that the parent has that we could have a conversation with? I'll tell you, man, you can ask what people do right, but one of the best things, teenagers, listen up. One of the best things you can ever ask anybody is tell me what you did wrong. Tell me the failures. Years before we started the church, I was making all these playbooks and writing down all these plans about what we do if we start a church and I would ask these older pastors, and I'd read the books and all that. And it was insightful what they would share that they did right. But, you know, they mostly did all the same things right, but they did a lot of different things wrong. And so it wasn't until I asked, what did you do wrong? Saved me a lot of time. Suddenly you get more and more and more and more wisdom of what not to do, which is often way more helpful. How do we do this another way? Excuse me. If we're going to be looking for wisdom... Now, if, you don't, if, you, if you're not convinced, hey, I don't want to find wisdom. Okay, that's fair. It's your life. Do whatever you want. But if you want to be looking for wisdom, can I recommend your entertainment that you're consuming, entertainment media, should slowly not be able to keep up with your learning kind of media, with your educational, with your wisdom media, with your personal growth and spiritual growth. You're trying to get ahead. If you think you're going to gain a bunch of wisdom, by watching everything you can binge. My friend, I'm not trying to offend you, but by the time you're 35, you're going to be dumb. Like, that stuff's not going to make you wise. That is hanging out with the ungodly. It's going to make it less wise. Well, I would like this message if I was sitting in your chair, so I'm just telling you. This would have been really helpful to me, so that's all I'm saying. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Where does it come from? For for teens and for preteens, we say, okay, first, God gives it. So pray, 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 and open up God's word. And here's, here's what I would tell every teenager, okay? I tell my teenagers this. If you, if you're trying to have a quiet time, time with God, and you don't know what to do, and you're bored out of your mind. You can always do this. You don't even have to pray. If you don't know what to do, just open up Proverbs. Because Proverbs is your heavenly father giving you timely teenage-level advice to tell you what you should do and what you should think about. That's exactly what it is. And by the way, there's 31 chapters, so there's a day for every day of the month. So you just pick, what, what is today's day? You read that chapter. And if you do nothing else, you will begin to grow in heavenly wisdom. So we teach them to find it in God's word. But do you know where else they can find it? Parents, they can find it from you. Parents, this is where we plan specifically. We plan to impart certain lessons before they leave the house. And this is going to take some time. You might have to really think about this with your spouse, maybe with 
you know, your parents or, or someone else who's familiar with the family who kind of knows some of the things that have gone wrong and the things that have gone right. And so you make yourself a list and, and take your time to do this. And it doesn't have to sound pithy, but you make yourself a list. What are the things I want them to, 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 I don't want them to have to learn it. I had to learn it and it was hard. What do I want them to not have to have all the pain that I had? I want to, whether we sit down, whether we do it at the playground, whether, wherever we do it, whether we do it over coffee, whether we do it at 11 p.m. because that's the only time they feel like talking to me and I'm half asleep trying to stay awake, but it's the time they picked. And so when am I going to do it? Are we just going to talk about it a lot around the dinner table? I'll give you some examples. These are some of the things that we've talked about over the years at my house. So, and you don't have to do these. These are just, yo, these are just what we do. Life is hard. And that's kind of a hard one to say. Life is hard. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like message it a little better. Becoming an adult is a shift from ease to difficulty. Just so we all know. It's, it's not going to be easier when you leave the house. It's going to be harder. Here's another one. You're part of the story, but you're not the whole story. See, we're, Kenzie and I, were try, we're kind of trying to contradict the message of the world that just says, man, it is all about you. You are the special. You are Luke Skywalker. And the world, man, wait till they get a load of you. No, it's, it's, it's really, you are special. You are unique. And you're super celebrated by mom and dad. But also, um, you know, to the world, you're super not special. Like you're one of seven billion and by the way, everybody's also special. Everybody's got unique stuff that's awesome about them. So you're part of the story, but you're not the whole story. You can't literally do anything, but you can do anything God calls you to. So Sesame Street or whatever show is on today will tell kids, you can just do anything that you dream of. I found out that isn't true. You know why? Because I went to the Air Force and said, will you let me fly a fighter jet? And they wouldn't let me do it. You can't just do anything. There's things that your gifts will not allow you to do. You're just not good at it. How many have figured out there's some things you're just not good at? Honey, you can't do it. You just can't do it. And so we have to help our kids. It's not that you can do anything, but you, what you can do, what God anoints you to do, you can do anything God calls you to do. And you can probably do it better than you think you can. With potential mates, you've heard me say this one before, but we tell our kids, believe in their potential, but look for their patterns. Don't, don't get deceived, young ladies or young men. Don't just dream of what they could be. They're, they're kind of a scumbag right now, but I, man, oh, I see their potential. And I'm sorry, ladies, for, for those of you who, who didn't know that soon enough. Don't go with their potential. Go with their pattern. What do they actually do? I don't care what they say. What do they do? That's what you want to ask. Jesus is more interested in your friendship than your sin. You know, that's probably unique to, not totally unique, but especially for pa- pastor's kids. They, they got to hopefully be, understanding as they go, okay, it's not about my performance. God isn't pleased because I'm a good kid. He's pleased because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And I draw near to Christ, not try to have a perfect record. Believe in people, but expect people to be sinners. View the world with confident optimism and healthy skepticism. A lot of, a lot of mine, I'm trying to balance them. There's two sides to most coins. And then my very favorite, seeking the kingdom first makes everything else better. And this was a, this was a big one for Kenzie and I because we, we made a gamble when we were 18 years old, on Matthew 6, 33, because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all the rest will be added to you. And I was like, can, can that really be true? Is that really true? Can I bet my whole life that Jesus is not lying right there? If we really put Jesus first, will he really take care of us in every other way? And it turns out it was true. He really does do that. That's an absolutely true promise. So seeking God first makes everything else better. And here's what we found out. It even makes the problems better. 
Oh man, I hate this problem, but I'd hate it even more if Jesus wasn't with me in it. If I didn't know how to listen to and wait on and dance with God. So parents, I want to challenge you. It doesn't have to be my list. It can be whatever is on, should be on your family list that you want to come up with. But think it through, man, because you have the opportunity to impart some rich stuff before they leave the house. Now, here is the classic mistakes that some parents will make because one of yours probably is, I want my kid to know Jesus. That's a really good one. We do want our kids to know Jesus. Part of that is not making the mistake of overemphasizing their performance and underemphasizing personal relationship. And that really comes, you've just got to live enjoying Jesus. If they see you enjoying Jesus, that looks attractive. If they see you kind of miserable, that doesn't look attractive. Here's one of the greatest secrets. Verse 6, the look, we, we looked at it earlier, the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. And here, here's, here's how we'll land this plane. No amount of wisdom. It can make your life a little bit better for your kids. It will make their lives, maybe in some cases, way better. But no amount of wisdom can save them. No amount of wisdom, doesn't matter how much we get right in exile, we can't get out of exile on our own. There was a, uh, let, me, let me explain this, pan out for a second. Solomon was a prophetic fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise, okay? So God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you wildly. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. I'm going to take you from obscurity. Abraham, you don't even have any kids. I'm, I'm going to make you, your, your offspring, kings and rulers. And so Solomon comes, and he's the son of David. And he, dude, he's got no problems. He's super rich, but he's also super wise. And it was actually the wisdom that he asked for first that caused the riches to come. And so there's Solomon kind of on top of the world. Solomon is the fulfillment. This was everything Israel was after. When they left Egypt, this is what it was about. Getting to this moment, Solomon is all wise. And Solomon falls short. He was a prophetic fulfillment, but he wasn't the total fulfillment. Because Solomon, at the end of his life, turned his back on his wisdom. And he embraced the ways of darkness. And so everybody thought it was going to be Solomon, but it wasn't Solomon. Because there was one greater to come. And it was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ isn't just an imparter of wisdom. He is wisdom from the Father to be imparted to us. It's beyond anything he could ever tell us. He's just going to fill in all the blanks because Jesus fills in for my failures and makes up for my misses. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the grandfather of Solomon. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. That branch is Jesus. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Jesus is the spirit that was sent to you. Beyond just wisdom, the Father sends the spirit of Jesus. He says, hey, wherever your kid goes, even if they don't act wise, you just keep praying. Keep praying for their heart to open up, no matter how long it takes, that they would receive Jesus as their wisdom. Because if they have Jesus, you know, they make a lot of mistakes. Jesus will make up for their mistakes and he'll fill in for their failures. Can you imagine with me? Parents, we're a link in the chain right now. Can you imagine the generation after us and the generation after us? And these people are walking in the wisdom of God, but they're not just doing wise things. 
They're glorifying God because they're a sign and a wonder from God to the earth. God is all wise. And they're not doing it in their own strength and their own power because it becomes very visible. They're leaning on Jesus as he walks them out of exile and into the promised land. That's what God wants for your kids and grandkids. Let's pray. God, it's true. We and our kids and our grandkids, we all need wisdom. We need to do wisdom. We need to seek wisdom. We need to be corrected by wisdom. But we need more than the principles of wisdom. We need wisdom himself. Jesus, we need you to make up for what we did wrong, for ways we missed it, for places we got off the path. Jesus, thank you that you are wisdom from God. You can do something wise even with our dumb. And so we invite you to do that. And we pray for our offspring. We pray that you give them such a heart that would delight in seeking wisdom, such a heart that would go after all that you have for them on this planet, all the advantages that are available to them. And God, we pray that you'd open every heart in their own way, according to their own personality, according to your timetable. They'd open their heart to the Savior, Jesus Christ. In Christ's name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.